Hello and welcome to JudgeCast. Well, we've got a great show for you tonight. Uh, we've got a list of uh, of some of the most problematic triggers hey, that we're going to hey, go over. Hey, what? hey, Brian. What? I think you forgot something. What? What I forget? Did I miss something? Yeah you you didn't uh, you didn't talk about the show or the hosts oh, or oh so yeah. right here in the in the show notes I have at the at the beginning of the episode announce episode and hosts so I guess I missed that like you've done like almost two hundred times at this point uh, I yeah, well, I mean the, some, so it's uh, you forget sometimes so so how do we want to handle this do we just I don't leave it and go on I don't know that or? we have a policy on this uh. <laughs> But it's 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 gonna is it's gonna impact the state of the podcast a lot. Do I get a warning? <laughs> yeah, Brian. If you, uh, I'm gonna give you a warning. If you, okay. If you get this warning twice more, you're not allowed to open the show anymore. <laughs> oh, wow. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. If he if he continues well, it, to do wait. it, will he then not be able to be on the show anymore? Yeah. Uh, maybe. I got a question. Is that now? If it's it resets, if it span, if the podcast oh, spans God. multiple days, right? <laughs> I, please, let's never. <laughs> okay, hello, That's, that... and welcome to Judge. <laughs> this this joke got too funny. <laughs> we're gonna put we're gonna put those things <laughs> on the stack. What you got, Brian? Yeah. All right, all right. Hello, and welcome to. <laughs> okay, game face on. Uh, this is episode two hundred and nine. Uh, my name is Brian Perlman. I'm one of your hosts, and I am joined this evening by Jess Dunks. Hi, this is Jess. And Brogan King. Hello from, it's raining really loud, and I hope you can't hear the rain on my roof. If you can, I'm sorry. Is it raining because, oh, actually, it hasn't gotten into you guys. You got, you guys have to deal with the hurricane coming yeah, up, Yeah, I don't think it's going to, we're far enough inland here that it's it's not going to be too bad by the time it, it gets here. But uh, the university I work for has already closed uh for thursday and friday uh it is currently tuesday so um we'll see uh, stay stay safe uh in less bummer news uh what are we talking about in case people oh, haven't well, figured it out already uh so so this episode is going to be a buzzfeed style <laughs> listicle listicles <laughs> is that the plural I think listicle of li- works. is that the plural listicle. of listicle listicles uh-uh unacceptable yeah it's got to be like it's like geese yeah i yeah, don't hercules listicles what it's it's very you know <laughs> myth like greco-roman uh, as like, as the youngest person here and as someone who <laughs> who hasn't slept enough or eaten enough or whatever today and is generally not taking care of myself. I think I'm the most like a BuzzFeed uh, article writer. And uh, <laughs> I can say that I think we shouldn't call them that. All right. List of pot. So listicles, <laughs> not listicles. <laughs> Great. I, I, I'm kind okay. of partial to listicles. So what's anyway, a listicle? A listicle um, is, is, is just basically like an excuse for a bad journalism of stuff. It's a great excuse for bad journalism, and it's hopefully an awesome excuse for a great episode. Uh, <laughs> so, you may have guessed that we're talking about triggered abilities on this episode, but uh, specifically, we're going to be talking about our favorite, and we, we grouped them together into eight. Favorite. Our favorite, yeah, our favorite Worst. problematic triggered abilities. And it's the top uh, eight. Yes. Yeah, top and- eight. Problematic triggered abilities. 
and this is over the history of of judging, or at least the history that we're familiar with, right? It, and so I want <laughs> I want to say right up front that we only had to pick eight. It was not an easy choice, but if you are convinced listening to this that that we didn't <laughs> hit one of yours, you should definitely let us know because we we might not have considered it, and. Uh, we would like to know, and if there's enough disagreement, we could revisit this topic. I really like that you're you're just getting people ready to fight before we even start yes. talking about the cards. It's the it's the best. Well, because we're going with top eight right here, right? Well, people are going to disagree about what the top eight is. Someone's going to get ninth on breakers. We all know it. But hold on now. If you if we're looking to get people to to fight. Uh, I think there's other non-magic related topics that we can discuss uh, that have been in sure. The- yeah, but let's not do that. Let's not yeah, do let's. That. let's but, right. th- but that being said, uh, as a note, the all the, the cards we're talking about um, have triggers that had were problematic at various times. They may have been resolved and may not be super super problematic under current mistrigger policy, but um, have been in the in the course of judging history been an issue yeah yeah um and and uh i'm I'm excited about this topic so so should we dig right in yes i i think we we should uh we should drop the bomb on this one (laughs) well hold on hold on hold on i gotta i gotta give it like this is the first time we've done like a list thing right so you've gotta let me get get it hold on no not a drum roll just all right ready ready okay number eight Ooh, bumpers Yes. Why didn't we think about bumpers? <laughs> oh, it's, it's so we've got we've got with uh with the camera this time. I can see Jess like rocking back and forth. Yes, like, laughing. Oh, I constantly rock back and forth. Oh, so so <laughs> uh, behind the curtain a little bit. Uh, I've just installed a webcam, and to celebrate, uh, I've decided that my JudgeCast hosts are actually going to get to see me on this podcast. So they're they're on the Skype window. They can see me. Like gesturing while I speak, I do there, a lot. There is a lot of uh, wild gesticulating. He is very. He's just seems very caffeinated. Um, um, yeah, I'm caffeinated. Okay, good. <laughs> yes the the adult the adult caffeine. All right. Um, so what's on the horizon right. for us, y'all? Okay, so number eight uh, is a card called Horizon Spellbomb. Now, some of you might not be familiar with it because it's. Uh, it came out in Scars of Mirrodin, and it was a common that was uh, played not a whole, whole lot uh, outside of Limited. Uh, so what it does is, uh, for two and tap, you can sacrifice Horizon Spellbomb, search your library for a basic land card, reveal it, and put it into your hand, then shuffle your library. When Horizon Spellbomb is put into your graveyard from the battlefield, you may pay green. If you do, draw a card. Now... Why this is really, really problematic is if you don't, if you just read it really quickly, when do you draw the card? Uh, do you draw it before or after you search? Well, the searching comes first, so the drawing is second on the card, so you should do that second. Yeah, it's written second on the card, right? Uh, it It is uh, written second on the card. Uh, however... We do things in order, right? Yeah. However, what happens is is you activate the ability, you you sacrifice it, it goes to the graveyard, and that trigger is going to actually resolve to draw the card is going to resolve first. Now, where this was um, problematic is this was only a few years after a card called Crows and Tusker 
which works the exact opposite. Actually works, uh, I believe, similarly to Sheafet Monitor, but it worked the exact opposite of a card that we'd spent some time teaching people how how it worked. Um, and back then, uh, if you drew a card at the wrong time, that was a game loss. That was drawing extra cards and a game loss. So if you did these trigger, if you did this trigger out of order, so if you um, searched for a land and then drew your card, uh, that would be drawing extra cards because you drew a card at the at the incorrect time and you would get a game loss. Now it resulted in some policy changes. There were there were some policy changes that said stuff like, um, you know, if you do things at the incorrect time, you know, if you if you draw that, then it would just be it would just be a warning. So they they changed policy, but for a while. So if you pay if you tapped three mana, and then tapped and sacrificed this thing, so you paid for its ability and the green mana all at once, then searched and then drew the card. It's a game loss. That's pretty awkward especially when we've been teaching people right. to do the exact opposite mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh now if you look at a more recent card like uh, uh Shefit monitor okay Shefit monitor came out during amonkhet it's cycling and it says when you cycle Shefit monitor you may search your library for a basic land card or desert card and put that card in the library and then in parentheses in reminder text it says you do this before you draw so it's very clearly saying uh, you do the search before you draw the card. So it gave you this nice little reminder it so that it doesn't get you explicitly tells you. Yes, right, right. Uh, well, and and what's cool about that is when it explicitly tells you when a player messes it up, they are a lot less prone to argue because you could point to the card and say it says right there you're supposed to do it in this order. Uh, now, in this case, obviously, nobody's getting a game loss for how that works, but right. it's uh, nowadays. Na- well, yeah, nowadays, and and nowadays, the way this works, that your description probably wouldn't even be a hidden card error. Now, it, there are a couple of different permutations of this, several different permutations of this. Mm-hmm. Where, you know, when do you pay the mana? When do you, you acknowledge the trigger? Where, so it's possible we could get to a hidden card error situation, but the vast majority of the time, it's not. And even if it is, it's not just oh, you horizon spellbombed wrong, you lose the game. <laughs> it's over. Uh, so that that was that was a pretty. I remember playing Magic in that time, and that there were three wins that occurred not infrequently because of it. Um, yeah, it's, it's I'm, I I find it incredibly valuable that that this is actually being pointed out now, explicitly on cards. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, so shows that they can use reminder text for more than just a. Uh reminding you how you know what the expanding how what some, the rules mean. some keyword abilities right. work or something like that yep uh all right, all right. do we all right so that was number eight do are we ready to move on to the next one i think so well, I, and, well you need to yeah bumpers yeah okay bumpers. all right number seven we watched Jess like himself up for that and it was great <laughs> <laughs> he didn't have to take a second to like you know psych himself take, take a deep breath to take the breath in uh but yeah, number seven. I mean, I could go. I could go for the like deep. We're gonna try on the next one for a really, like, really deep voice. Anyway, number seven. Uh, what do we got? Is a uh, Bomat Courier. Everyone. Oh man, this card. <laughs> everyone's favorite. Is this or is this not a detrimental trigger? Um. So Bomat Courier, if you do not know, is a one-one for one. It's a, an artifact creature construct with haste. 
And whenever it attacks, exile the top card of your library face down. And again, reminder text, you can't look at it. Um, and then you can pay red and discard your hand, sack Bomat Courier, and put all cards exiled with Bomat Courier into their owner's hands. So, is this, or is this not, a detrimental trigger? Oof. Uh, uh, don't know. Uh, it is not a detrimental trigger. Yeah, it's not a detrimental trigger. It, it gives you cards, right? Like, right. Oh, how, how it ends up being is it gives you cards. Ultimately, you, you are going to end up in a better place because of that trigger. Um, but the, the sort of the philosophy, it, it, it addressed one, sort of our philosophy and how we look at detri- detrimental triggers and also how we look at looking at extra cards. Um, so... So can we can we back up uh, and talk a little bit more about why the confusion is why people thought it was a detrimental trigger? Yeah, please. What the, what the confusion was? Sure, go ahead. Okay, so so back back when when the mistrigger policy was was kind of new, uh, there were a lot of cards that that did self mill. Okay, uh, you know when this enters the battlefield, take the top two cards from your library, put them in the graveyard, stuff like that. Uh, that was considered uh, generally detrimental. When it was by itself. What, yeah, right, when it was just that on its own. Right. And we would tell people, don't take into context the game where you say, like, oh, well, I could build a deck that takes advantage of lots of cards in the graveyard. No, no, no. Just look at it. Look at the, the trigger by, its, by itself. And in that particular case, you were putting things in the graveyard. You were making it, you know, you were denying yourself resources from the library. And that was considered generally detrimental. However, when there's cards that come around that start doing things like denying you resources, like Beaumont Courier here moving it from egg, from the top of your library to exile instead of the graveyard, it's, you're still denying yourself a resource. So philosophically, it kind of seems similar to self-mill, which was it's, considered detrimental. It's comparable. But when you, right. But when you look at the total package of the card, uh, yeah, it's it's all upside. You wouldn't... You take that trigger off the card, and you wouldn't play it, All right? Just a one-one, a one-one with haste for one. That right. It's it's lets you discard your hand and put nothing back in your hand. Right. It's seems pretty awful. It's not good. It's it ha- it's it's cheap and you has haste, but it's it's not anything to to be super excited about. Right. Sure. Yeah. What what uh. There's a side note here, as long as we're talking about history and stuff in Bomat Courier, um, there was a weird looking at extra cards problem that occurred with Bomat Courier, because you exile these cards face down, and you're not supposed to look at them. This is a thing a lot of people miss. You're not supposed to look at them when you exile them, and you're not supposed to look at them later, because it didn't say you can look at them. Uh, So if somebody did look at them, what penalty is that? And right now, in our tournament policy... This penalty is just a GRV. You've just committed a game rule violation. Now, it used to be that this fell under the definition of looking at extra cards. The problem with that, it philosophically fits the definition, but the problem with that is that looking at extra cards has a fix that is to shuffle the cards into the unknown portion of the library, which doesn't make any sense Does for Bowman Courier's exile cards. at all. So, so they changed looking at extra cards... Uh, the definition of looking at extra cards to specifically refer to cards in a library that you've seen. Um, so th- this card 
also caused a change in tr- uh, the policy around looking at extra cards. And if if we want to go back way way back to what policy used to be, do you remember hidden information violations? Oh yeah. So oh, you want to talk about you want to talk about clone, so clone shell is one of my favorite examples. Of this. So clone shell is not yes. on the list, but uh, so hidden information violation used to be a penalty wherein. Um, I had to, to Google clone shell just now, by the way. Yeah, sure. Well, I'm going to get to it. I'll get to it. I'll get, I'm going to get there. I'm going to let you finish. But um, so uh, clone shell. Oh, wait. No, I got all mixed up. So the uh, hidden information violation used to be a penalty. doesn't exist anymore. Used to be a penalty that specifically referred to when a player sought information they weren't supposed to have. So... Uh, what is now draft procedure violation kind of fell into this when you when you looked like to the left and right at your opponent's draft picks or when you uh, if you were for some reason to look at the top card of your library just to see what was coming up next when you weren't supposed to that would be a hidden information violation so this was something you would get disqualified for the, mm-hmm. this was the, the penalty was a disqualification now again to be clear this penalty no longer exists in the tournament policy all of the infractions are covered elsewhere Yikes. but uh, but at the time, Clone Shell uh, and Broken, you have it in front of you. I, I don't have I it do. memorized. Do you want to read the, yep. the, the, the Oracle text for me real quick? Yes. Uh, it has imprint. When it enters the battlefield, look at the top four cards of your library, exile one face down, and then put the rest on the bottom of your library in any order. Yeah, uh, so go ahead. I'm sorry. And then when it is put into, the graveyard, into a graveyard from the battlefield, turn the exiled card face up. If it is a creature card, put it onto the battlefield under your control. Right. Now, the fun thing about this is you were playing this weird clone game, uh, or shell game, rather, and that was the point of the, the, <laughs> the card, that was the, the like flavor there. Uh, but notice it doesn't say that you can look at the card, okay? it, it Nowhere on there tells yep. you that you're allowed to look at the card. And you got to look at it when, when you picked it. Right. But, but after that, you turn after it face down, allowed. and it lives there. Now, now we have a rule that says basically if at some point you got to look at it now you can look at it okay that rule did not exist at the time so looking at the cards under clone shell was seeking information you weren't entitled to even though you had already seen the card so technically you could get dq'd for just forgetting what was under your clone shell and picking it up and looking at it oh my goodness <laughs> I am not aware of this ever Oof. actually occurring, Oof. but but this was one of those things where we went, hold on, this can't be right. <laughs> why, why is this a possibility? <laughs> oh, goodness. Uh, all right. So that was that's our, our we, we digressed about Clone Shell. But to, to get on to our, uh, our next one here, we've got number six. Ooh. Ooh. That was a little goofy. Like, <laughs> sorry, like, I'm, 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 I've never done this before. It's kind of no, I'm excited. Does it feel? Oh, does it feel? <laughs> does it feel liberating? Number Jess? six. Okay. Uh, yeah. Well, what it, what is a six six for six? Do you have any examples? A six six for six. This is this I is do a, have an example. A bad this, segue. This, that, was, that was unintentional. <laughs> um, I mean, it's pretty. It's pretty good. Uh, but yeah, we didn't put it there for that reason. Uh, number six is actually Frost Titan. Uh, now. A great card. This. If you're listening, you, you may not know what we're talking about here, but I promise it's got a problematic triggered ability. <laughs> uh, so Frost Titan is a 6-6 six, six for 6. 
It says, whenever Frost Titan becomes the target of a spell or ability an opponent controls, counter that spell or ability unless its controller pays two. Uh, it also says, whenever it enters the battlefield, tap target permanent. Uh, it doesn't tap during its controller's next tap step, and it does the same thing when it attacks. Uh, but the, the first ability that counters spells, that's the problematic one. See, now, if I have a Frost Titan... I have to tell my opponent about the triggered ability because they have a choice. So in order for me to acknowledge that triggered ability, I have to tell them about the choice. You have and to give, have give to them it. the choice. Under the old tournament policy, before we ever got to the point where where I could miss triggers and my opponent didn't have to remind me, it was just assumed this trigger was resolving. And if they didn't pay the two, it was assumed that they chose not to. <laughs> So, if my opponent tries to lightning bolt my Frost Titan, and I go, I have no responses, and they put their lightning bolt in the graveyard and don't pay the two, my Frost Titan didn't take any damage. Goodness gracious. Or it was, and it was, it was ambiguous. Did, did you miss the trigger, or did the opponent choose to pay two? Right. And right. argue about yeah, it you for could a half get into an hour. Again, huge arguments. At the, at the point of, this is during the time when when you are responsible for your opponent's triggers, it's it's this weird game of chicken, I guess? Uh-huh, yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah, yeah I, I don't want to remind my opponent that he can pay, or that they can pay two. Right, right you don't want to remind them because then they would. Right. Um, and so, yeah, it was this big, this big problematic thing. Uh, does my opponent have to tell me to pay the two? You know, I thought they'd just missed the trigger. Uh, yeah, it was it was bad. Now it's a lot clearer, but at the time, whew, it was bad. So, so what is now? Oh, so now, uh, if you were to lightning bolt my Frost Titan, I have to tell you that you have the choice to pay two or it will be countered. If I don't tell you that, I have missed my trigger. So it says in, in policy, it specifically says, even if an opponent is involved in the announcement or resolution of the ability, the controller is still responsible for ensuring the opponents make the appropriate choices and take the appropriate actions. So, yeah, you've, you've got you've to let them know. Even if I have to physically do the thing or perform the action, yep. it's still your, your trigger. And the way now, this comes up a lot more nowadays uh, is not so much with Frost Titan, but with... Uh, Oh man, what's the the Eldrazi card with trample? Uh, 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 oh, right, the hasty I know one. Which one you're talking? Right, right, hasty yeah. Um, I, I, that one hasty boy. I played uh, it. I played it in cube last week. Uh, um, give me a second, and I will find out. Okay. Well, while we're waiting for that, uh, the first Titan triggers also similar to Ristic Study. Uh, Ristic Study is um, whenever the um, whenever a player casts a spell. Uh, you get to basically you get to draw a card unless they pay one. The reason why that trigger is specifically so bad, especially in like an EDH game, is because you're constantly saying you're gonna pay one, you're gonna pay one for that, you're gonna pay one for that. Every uh-huh. single spell that gets cast, uh-huh. so it's one of the worst triggers just because you're being obnoxious with it. Not intentionally, you're supposed to ask, but still, you're gonna pay one, you're gonna pay one. Reality gets- smasher. Reality Smasher. Reality Smasher, yeah. So it has a similar triggered ability where they have to discard a card. It's not paying mana, but they still have to, a choice to make. 
You got right. You got to let them know that they got the choice. Makes sense. All right. Anybody have anything else about Frost Titan? No, okay. I think I think it was very well, serendipitous that uh that uh that was a six six for six at true, number six. But there's a hard no joke joke for me to make about the next one because it has an odd number. We are we are here at number five. Ooh, I like that one. All right, number five is Chalice of the Void. Dun dun dun. I um, this is one of those ones where I'm sure people just right right off the bat know know what the problem is for the most part. Well, if, if Chalice oh, of the Void were were made as a magic card today, it wouldn't be templated the same way. And I'm not just no. speculating on that. That's kind of something that's been said, right? Like it's just it wouldn't be made the same way. Uh, but before we get into that too much, what what does it say? Uh, so it's it's uh, for XX. It costs XX mana. And just the battlefield with X charge counters. Um, that's not a trigger, so it's you can't really miss that. But what it does say is whenever a player casts a spell with converted mana cost equal to the number of charge counters on Chalice of the Void, counter that spell. Hmm. How can hmm. we get into problems with an invisible uh, countering of a spell that has the same physical representation of just putting a card, a resolving spell into the graveyard? Uh. So the, the problem here is... Like, if you miss this trigger, your opponent gets their spell. Um, but weirdly, like, where you really get into problems is when you miss the trigger on your own spells. Yeah. So if, if I've got a Chalice of the Void on one, and I cast uh, a Lightning Bolt, uh, targeting my opponent's awesome 3-3, three, three, uh, and then I don't say anything... Have I missed the trigger, or am I just bluffing? At what point am I bluffing? At what point have I missed the trigger? At what point am I cheating? Uh, and uh, if I do miss the trigger, let's say I actually just forget that that trigger exists legitimately, and I, I bolt the bolt your creature, I put my bolt in the graveyard, and my opponent puts their creature in the graveyard, and then we remember that there's this trigger. Well, the missed right. trigger fixes don't really help us here at all. Because countering the spell now doesn't do anything. Yeah, we'll put that trigger on the stack. <laughs> oh look, it it it. There's nothing there for it to counter. Would you look at that? Right. Yeah. This is this is just a problematic trigger all all the way around. It's it's problematic for the opponent. It's problematic for you. Uh, it creates it creates even if there's a genuine, uh, you make a genuine mistake. It sure does look and feel an awful lot like cheating. There's also right. there's also the problem of people who are playing Chalice thinking being confused by back when your opponent did have to remember your triggers, being like, oh, they they did this thing and didn't counter their spell, but they knew that I had this Chalice, and it's right. And you will see players legitimately bluff with this. If I cast yeah. that lightning bolt. Uh, if, I, if, I, if you're at three mana and I say I'm going to lightning bolt you and you scoop up your cards, I haven't cheated because, I mean, I have sort of depending on the communication between us. See, that's the awkward part yep. because mm-hmm. because depending on what you said, because I I can cast the spell. That's not illegal. Resolving it is illegal, right. but I can cast the spell. If you just scoop in response to me casting the spell, nothing illegal has occurred because the game didn't go that far. 
there's and there's just, always the the hope that they're not gonna that they're gonna miss it. Right. And so this is weird because it kind of requires my opponent to remember my trigger, which isn't what we want. Uh, so Chalice of the Void is one of the more played cards that doesn't really go well with the current mistrigger policy. Yeah, it's it's just it's it's all around ugly. Speaking right. of ugly. Speaking of ugly, we have number four. All right. Uh, I, I I like that less than number five, but I think you are getting the hang of bumpers. <laughs> um, so this is one. This is one of the first cards that I heard about as it pertains to weird tr- triggers, and that is a demigod of revenge. It is a five red black hybrid mana. Um, it is a creature spirit avatar with flying in haste and has. A very exciting trigger that says when you cast Demigod of Revenge, return all cards named Demigod of Revenge from your graveyard to the battlefield. So this is another card that leads to you playing sort of a weird game of chicken around, around, if you, if you would like to counter this spell, when, when can you counter it? Because well, you can counter it anytime it's on the stack, right? Right. So so here's here's what the here's what the problem is, okay? If I counter the spell with the trigger on the stack, then the demigod of revenge is going to go to the graveyard and then the trigger that says when you cast demigod of revenge return all cards named demigod of revenge to the graveyard to the battlefield, you're going to get it back. Awkward. Right. Now, it's not a big deal if the opponent ha- if the if the player casting demigod has like one or two or three demigods already in the graveyard. Because, you know, you're going to be really deliberate. Well, hopefully, you'll be really deliberate about when you when you counter uh, when you counter demigod. You can be, uh, yeah. You can you can say when when you are countering it because they're pretty clearly going to say something about right. triggering it. But if I go demigod of revenge and just says counter, um, when <laughs> when did he cast that? Uh, trigger on the stack. Trigger resolved already. Right. It's it's if you immediately snap off the counter, you're you're, you're caught in this place where if you immediately snap off the counter, there's a chance that the trigger the trigger has not happened. They'll remember it. But if you explicitly point out the trigger that maybe you're hoping they didn't know was there, it's it's just so awkward. So. We we've got this this one this one right here is is uh, a a bit problematic. Um, we 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 do take things like we we have we have two philosophical things kind of pulling in different directions here. One is we have this, um, you know this this concept of the the obvious play is I countered it after the trigger. However, the technically precise thing, or you know, basically every other spell when you cast it you pretty much cast it at the earliest opportunity as, so as soon as you have, can yeah right so we have these two conflicting uh priorities and if you want to catch like like judges arguing for a long time about things uh ask them what happens and so really you kind of have to like make a judgment call as to as as to what was going on one of the and this this is great so i was at a PTQ. This was years ago when this thing was in play. Player kept All right, the old direction. man Preliman. 
Yeah. And the direction at the time was, if they cast Demigod of Revenge and they snap counter it, well, they're countering it with the trigger on the stack. Yep. And so we had this situation occur at the PTQ. And what's great is, you know, we made the call. It got appealed to the head judge. Head judge comes over. And the player's getting frustrated. He goes, well, how the hell are you supposed to counter the the dang thing then? And the head judge, you can't answer that question. That's outside assistance. And the head judge just looked and made this, this blah, 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 blah sound. Like uh, like a fish out of water with the the, the lips kind of flapping. Right, to which the opponent says, oh, you got to counter it after the trigger resolves. And the head judge looks at the opponent and just goes, bless you. And just, just, that was the end of that. That's, that's very considerate on their part. (laughs) Yes, thank you. Thank you, random opponent, for answering a question that I was not able to. Oh, that's really funny. (laughs) But yeah, there's there's these these fighting urges of aha, I want to do this as soon as I can versus right. what is clearly yeah. the 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 most correct line. And, and you know, it it's it's the kind of thing where when you're the player who tried to counter it and you think you did it right and you found out you did it wrong, uh, it just it just fills you with a burning rage. Oh, oh, this that's. Which, which brings us to number three. I really wish we had some like some three D art, ridiculous of a, a, a three a three zooming in. Yeah, some some bad clip art to to <laughs> put along with our our, our <laughs> listicle here. I will we'll add that to the YouTube version of this podcast. I'm having uh, join I'm, our Patreon. Yeah, <laughs> that's none just of those Jess. things exist yet. Uh, so. I'm I'm actually having a lot of fun with this episode. As an aside, <laughs> uh, it's it's pretty good. I we need to make our our next episode a answer these twelve questions and we'll tell you what plane you're from. Episode. Oh yeah, that would be sweet. Which, which actually, legendary I, goblin you are? It's a choose your own adventure episode where you go to different points in the episode. Like oh, okay. if if you we got to do this now. Yeah, well, so, I mean, an no, episode no, no. where like where where each of us just goes through the the wizards guild quiz and finds out what guild we are would be great. I already did this. <laughs> oh, are you are you uh, are you Grull? I'm not. No, she's not. No, I am not super proud of what I got because it's not what I wanted. I could have taken oh. the, the quiz and gotten the answer I wanted because. Like you just pick the ones that are all about like stapling fish to crabs. Um, oh, but oh. I how, like the book. How many legs does it have? Yes, you know, where you pick the book. Right. Um, I got Azorius. Oh, I think I think no Jess comment to get Azorius. What do you mean, Jess? Nothing. I got nothing. Anyway, so number three. Number three. <laughs> yeah. A shrine uh-huh. of burning rage. Well, I seem to remember this being a good card. Oh, this is a great card. Problematic about this. This card is so good. This card was good at standard. This card was good at limited. This card is cubable. Uh, this card is nuts. This card sees play in modern as well. So this card is insane. If you don't know what it does, Shred of Burning Rage is an artifact that costs two mana. It says at the beginning of your upkeep or whenever you cast a red spell, put a charge counter on Shrine of Burning Rage, and then you can pay three mana and tap it. 
and sacrifice Shrine of Burning Rage, and then Shrine of Burning Rage deals damage equal to the number of charge counters on it to target creature or player. Sweet. Uh, Sounds good. It's great. It's, it's a really, really real good, good magic card. This card. This, this, this seems card, This seems straightforward to me. Why is this? This a is. This card is. It's, yes. it's clearly only good. What's wrong with this trigger? So the problem is that in is not it, right now. There's nothing wrong with this trigger, but in the long, long ago, before we had the, before, before the Fire Nation attacked, before the well, this cause this is part of the Fire Nation attack. Everything changed. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. Then the Fire Nation attacked. Uh, so th- this card is before before triggered abilities could be ignored by your opponent. That is to say, if I miss a triggered ability right now, my opponent doesn't have to remind me about that triggered ability. That's just the way that tournament policy works right now. That wasn't always true. At the time, Shrine of Burning Rage was a problem. If I missed Shrine of Burning Rage, my opponent had to remind me. That they were obligated by the rules yeah, to remind yeah. me to put a counter on it, he which is just feel bads. That's just yeah, it was cheating, and, that, and that's just feel bads because like I have to remind you to do this thing that's super beneficial for you and probably going to kill that's me because this card's so bad really for good. Me. And so, not only so there's there's a second part to this counter on your shrine. The second part to this is that at the time we didn't care whether or not triggered abilities were detrimental in terms of warning. Right now. You only get a warning for a missed trigger if it is a detrimental triggered ability, one that is generally considered detrimental to its controller. Now, at the time, that wasn't the case. Shrine of Burning Rage's trigger clearly is not detrimental. It has only upside. There is no situation that I can imagine where this triggered ability is bad for me. Nope. Well, I take that back. There are very, very few <laughs> situations you where can I can imagine where this <laughs> where card is see Because we could see his face. Yeah, no, I think you could see the gears literally, back and forth. literally turning inside his head. Uh, so the point is, it's a good triggered ability. If you missed it, uh, you're either very forgetful or maybe just not very good at magic and, and not able to keep track of everything that's going on. And you would get a warning... For missing your trigger on your shrine of burning rage, just and, double daggers. And if you if this happens every turn and every time you cast a red spell, and if you missed it three times, it's stacked up to a game loss in the right. same tournament. Uh, and it was it was really really easy for somebody playing shrine of burning rage to stack up warnings to a game loss over the course of a tournament. And this was just bad. And this was one of the cards that, that really ended up bringing us to where we're at now on triggered abilities. And we eventually we, we went through a few iterations first. If you really want to go into the way way back machine, somewhere in the 30s, we talked about lapsing triggers. Uh, but. But like like the 1930s? Like it might as well have been the 1930s. <laughs> Functionally, it, I think it's like yeah. episode 34-ish. I Dark didn't look times. that up first, so I'm not sure. Uh, but yeah, don't listen to that, please. There's no reason to listen to anything <laughs> about lapsing triggers unless you're interested in the history. And, and it was probably wasn't even a good episode. I don't know. I haven't listened to it in forever. Um, We're going to get an email about it. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm sure. Probably from, Mr. probably from CJ. Why are you saying it's a bad episode? Um, bless, bless you, Shrine of Burning like? Rage. Is that, is that your CJ impersonation? That's no. That, I, I just that's, that's my whiny person impersonation. Um, so this this terrible perfect storm of of triggers, yeah, uh, has has yep. sa- saved all of our lives. Is what you're saying? Yep. 
Yes, actually, it has. Um, we've gotten to the point where where triggered abilities are now in a place where, where players like them better in general. And it's still, there, there's, there's. I think while we're here, we can we can mention like there's always going to be triggers that are awkward. Right. Um, there's always going to be things that don't quite fit under any any policy that that is made just because we we the document that covers every single thing is just too too expansive and too un not fluid enough to to work so we're in a better place it can always be better but there's always going to be some bits that are hard to explain under any policy the weirdest part for for me right now is is just that there are philosophically some replacement effects that work the same way triggered abilities work, and you can't miss those. And that's just that's just awkward, right? Yeah. Uh, and and they say like as this enters the battlefield instead of win, so right. you really have to be paying attention to the magic words. The right. the the average magic player is not going to understand or recognize the distinction. You think? Right. Yep. Or well, and not only will the average magic player not understand, but unscrupulous magic players might. Try to abuse the difference, yeah. right? To say, "Oh, I didn't know. I thought it was. I thought it was one." When, when they really know, they know better. Um, yeah. Related to unscrupulous players. Oh and man, triggers. What, what have we got next? We have number two. Here we have probably this card is one of the most frequently used uh, food and drink puns uh, at certain <laughs> events. Yes. Yes, the tabernacle at ginger ale. That's hilarious. <laughs> what is? Does anyone actually yes. know what Pendril Vale is? Because I don't. It's it's a it's a place in this legends. See, see, this is where this this is where I do miss CJ's contributions to the show because because he would just know he would just know he's like <laughs> so I was I was actually hanging out with him at a, at a at a friend's house not too long ago and. He doesn't even really play magic, or obviously he doesn't judge anymore. But like at the drop of a hat, somebody started talking about the the, the story, and he's still following the story. That's awesome. And oh, he was just oh, like, "Let me tell you all the Vorthos stuff." Here, here we go. Pendril Vale is located in Talaria on Dominaria. It is known for its mists and the mysterious tabernacle in its mists. It is known for its its mists. Yes. Is it Seattle? Like, what a a weird (laughs) thing to say. The veil emanated strange magics that inhibited the use of summoning magic, allowing any mage who taps into its power the ability to force their foes to expend great quantities of mana to keep their summon... Basically, it's describing what the card does in just fancy, flavorful terms. after the destruction of Teleria, Pendril Vale's magic continued to emanate, calling out to certain... Uh, it's just describing Magus of Pendril Vale. This is awful. <laughs> <laughs> there there right. is absolutely nothing... <laughs> um, oh, here we go. Continuity. In Legend Cycle 1... <laughs> in the Legend Cycle 1 is told of Tabernacle at Pendril Vale in Jaraman Scarwood, whatever that means. And then it says, this is not explainable. <laughs> This Got is it. not explainable. Yes. That's there we awesome. Go. So, so All right, with so its continuity, this is not explainable. What does the card is actually it do? Go explainable? No. Well, yes, but the hard way. Okay. So so let's let's start with Tabernacle by by reading what's on the what's on the card um and then what's what's actually the oracle text. 
Oh, okay. So, do you have the the card so, text in front of you? Yeah, because I yeah I have the the actual real card text in front of me. It's a legendary land that says all creatures now now require an upkeep cost of one in addition to any other upkeep cost they may have had. If the upkeep cost for a creature is not paid, destroy that creature. Ugh. Okay, so this is this is very clearly my my card, my ability. I've got the tabernacle. This is my card, my ability. So this means, you know, that it's requiring an upkeep, but it's my card. Um, it's my card, my effect, my trigger in 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 essence. Uh, well, m- no. Uh, because when you read, what does the card actually say? The the oracle text says all creatures have quote at the beginning of your upkeep sacrifice this creature unless you pay one. Um, this this card gives creatures an ability, a triggered ability. Your opponents. So so what's happening is is if I have tabernacle. I'm giving Brogan's creatures a triggered ability that Brogan is now responsible for. It's my trigger. Yeah. Awkward. I have to remember it. And more importantly than that, that trigger makes you sacrifice something. So guess what it is? Oh, it makes me destroy something. It's a detrimental trigger. Yeah, that's a detrimental trigger. Yeah, so... Yeah. So I just played a card that gives you a warning generation factory. <laughs> uh-huh. Yep. I I have I have been the person playing Tabernacle here. I'm sure I've told this, this is- story before, but it happens in real life and it's yep. It's it's brutal. Yeah, and it's a little awkward because if you just read the card what's printed on the card itself uh, it, it seems like it's still the controller of Tabernacle's responsibility. But right. the Oracle text, no, it's it's you, the opponent. Even if you completely understand how the card works, it's just a super awkward imp- implementation. Given the tournament policy as it exists uh, right now. Because if you, I have a Tabernacle and you think it's my trigger, uh, you might not say anything because you think... You get to ignore it because it's my trigger, but you don't because it's your trigger. And even then, just like even if you understand completely and you just forget, it's still such a feel bad. Uh, and yeah, this comes you, up, you you don't leave the situation feeling good regardless. And this comes up also in modern. There's another card that has the same problem, uh, exactly the same templating, which is Kataki Wars Wage. So that card is, it says. Uh, uh, all artifacts have at the beginning of your upkeep sacrifice this creature unless you pay one. And so it gives those it gives those triggers to every artifact somebody has. Uh, and that's even more one-sided because it's often played against artifact decks when the player playing it doesn't have any artifacts. So only you have triggered abilities off of my card. Right. So it so it only impacts your stuff and really none of mine. Right. Yeah. So, so now let's let's ask let's ask this. And here's here's the other really just just uh, kick you, kick you when you're down. So, I I I have the tabernacle. Brogan thinks that I missed my trigger. Okay, when on her upkeep. When in reality so she she, swings, she missed her trigger. Right. Okay. She swings. She she casts a spell pre combat. Uses some mana. Okay, 
and then oh, don't 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 do this, Brian. And then swings and attacks me, and I very smugly uh, call for a judge. <laughs> Look at Jess. <laughs> Look at Jess, Jess. Oh, I can't. Smiling. I can't see Jess. Hold on. Oh, too late. I, uh, uh, yeah. No, Jess wasn't talking, so I didn't. Jess, his face Jess didn't was pop pantomiming. Up. Jess was pantomiming both the smug expression and the call for a judge. <laughs> so, so I call for a judge, and I say, "Judge, my opponent forgot their tabernacle trigger." And then the judge goes, okay, and looks at me, the opponent, me, the controller of Tabernacle, and then asks if I'd like it placed on the stack. What? To which I say, yes. Yes, I would. Yeah, Yeah, it's pretty bad. I've actually, like, I, full disclosure, argued for this card to be number one on the list. This is pretty bad. Uh, But... But I mean, this this and Kataki together are just so so awful. And we could go deep. I was talking yeah. about it before the show. We could go deep on on ways that this is ugly, but uh, but I think we've pretty much covered it for the context of the show. Anybody have anything this, else about Tabernacle? Actually, is this is this considered a, uh, a default action? Yes. So they yes, have to sacrifice it regardless. Y- yes, it is. Yes, it is. Oh, okay. So it doesn't even. Yeah, doesn't even okay. So it doesn't even matter if Bergen casts a spell. Yeah. So so. Uh, yeah, it's a default action. They they don't get the option to pay. Uh, well, they sort of do. I have the option to to let them pay because um, default actions are weird now. Because but, but they make default actions weird with Kaladesh. Yeah. Right. So basically, though, you're going to be sacrificing this creature. There's no way around it. Uh, mm-hmm. it sucks. All right. Yeah. Now, so this is this is just before we get to number one. We, do, we wouldn't be a listicle without without this. We do, we do have it's it's time for the honorable mention. Now that doesn't work. <laughs> the, I had to give I, it a shot. I, it was it was it's it was many, worth worth a try. It's too many syllables. Uh, <laughs> and and while an honorable mention, it is a it is an iconic card in a in dark confidant. Yep, one of those. Very famous cards with a very famous trigger. Um, so it says at the beginning of your upkeep, reveal the top card of your library and put that card into your hand. You lose life equal to its converted mana cost. Whoa. I lose life? That sounds eh. awful. Yeah. That yeah. must be a detrimental trigger, right? I don't know, About Brian. About that. <laughs> <laughs> so there are, there are a couple of problems here. Um, and... There are a couple of problems now, and there are a couple of problems that existed historically. Um, it, back in the day when when uh, drawing extra cards was a thing, um, if I just take take this card, like pick up my card, put it into my hand, um, what happens to me? Yeah. So, so there was a, a penalty. There used to be a penalty called failure to reveal. Okay, and and where where this get where this gets problematic? You, you, if you drew without revealing, because the the trigger happens on the upkeep. Okay, so if I just pick up and put a card in my hand, did I forget this trigger? Did I forget to reveal, mm-hmm. or did I? Uh, uh, yeah, I mean those are those are basically the two things. Did I remember the trigger and not reveal it, or did I forget the trigger and draw for turn? Right, and those had different fixes. <laughs> for the exact same action, so it was a pro- it was it was a problem. And at the time, failure to reveal was a game loss. 
So if I if I go confidant and picked up and the top card was a land, I don't lose any life for a land, but I just put it in my hand without revealing it or writing down a life loss or anything like that. Uh that was a game loss. It's really also yeah. I was going to say, it's really interesting that I was looking at why this trigger has had been awkward from a totally different period of time than what you're looking at right now. Oh, okay. No, just just because of I was just thinking of like just drawing extra cards. Mm-hmm. Um, it's 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 really this card has been awkward in a multitude of ways. It regardless of um what the what the mistrigger policy is because it's always going to be i think i think we're in a good place with it right now i i think yeah so so now it's if i if i acknowledge the trigger and draw the card and put it into my hand believe what the fix is we reveal our hand and my opponent picks which card it was that i drew for dark confidant that's that's how i understand it as well i lose the life i lose the life based on the the card they pick so i hope i don't have like an emrakul or something like that right which i probably wouldn't be playing if i had a dark confidant in my deck (laughs) i've seen it that's the best way to mitigate the the advantage you could have gained right because Mm -hmm. an unscrupulous player might draw an emrakul realize it's an emrakul and then just shuffle it into the hand real quick hoping that we're going to pick one at random Mm -hmm. but uh so, so the only way to mitigate that advantage is to let the opponent choose so this this card this card has the the trigger has been finally with HCE we actually have a decent way to handle this thing but for the longest time it was mm-hmm. did they miss the trigger did they did they if they forgot it used to be a warning and even now you know possibly like I, I uh, you get into questions with Dark Confidant where people want to treat it differently if I'm at twenty life and I forget my Dark Confidant versus I'm at one life and I forget my Dark Confidant. Well, it becomes it's it's a detrimental trigger then, right? And this is another one where you're where people are looking at it and it's like, is this is this detrimental? Uh, well, would you play the card without it? No, right? And, no. You know, f- funny story about Dark Confidant. Uh, a player who missed their Dark Confidant trigger was the first call that I ever took at a competitive rules enforcement level event. Uh, Really, it was yeah. So so I was Aww. a bit thrown uh, because the player the player was just like oh uh, yeah I didn't I didn't reveal for the star confidant and he held up his hand and he's like but this you know this mountain is what I what I drew for my turn and uh, and I was a little bit deer in the headlights and another judge had to pull me aside and and say okay well what do you think it is what infraction is this and and then walk me to the correct answer and then I went back to the table and gave the correct ruling. Um, so it was a great mentoring moment for for me on the 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 mentee, the manatee side of being mentored. Manatee, the manatee side, yes, mentee, but like, yeah. Anyway, um, and uh, uh, so I have a special place in my heart for for missed dark confidant triggers in a weird sort of way. Um, but uh, That's, I like that. Yeah. I I was gonna say I I the, the I think the reason that this is I'm not sure how we decided on this as an honorable mention, to be honest. Um, I think because it's iconic, yeah, it's not, it's not, I don't think this is one that has ever caused great strife. Um, it's, yeah, it's had a lot of bad has. results, but the, the yeah. trigger itself isn't really that awkward. It's pretty straightforward how it works. Yep. Yeah. Um, 
it it's something that comes up reason right. and has come up reasonably often in different forms just because it's a card that people play but it's 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 overall reasonably intuitive yep all right all right are we ready do it let's let's move on to number, number one <laughs> Very good. I, I, I really wanted some sort of like really ridiculous like arena music to start playing. I'll see what I could do. Uh, uh, welcome, welcome to JudgeCast, where you pay for the whole seat, but you'll only need the edge. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Number one, the moment we've all been waiting for. What do we got? We have Desecration Demon. What? Yeah. Desecration demon. <laughs> yeah. This, this thing is, of course it would be a demon. Oh, this card, yep. this card's ugly in more than one way. Uh, so it costs two and two black. It's a creature demon. It's a six, six. It has flying. If we could just stop there, I'd be fine with it. It'd be an amazing four mana six. Seems six. good. And I mean, I played some Abyssal Persecutor back in the day where you couldn't win the game if it was in play and it had the same stats and trample. Yep. Um, and anyway, this card says at the beginning of each upkeep, any opponent may sacrifice. Oh, no, not each upkeep. Each combat. I'm sorry. Thank you for correcting me. At the beginning of each combat, any opponent may sacrifice a creature. If a player does. Tap Desecration Demon and put a plus one, plus one counter on it. So let me ask you a question. Is this a detrimental trigger? <laughs> uh, yeah. 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 Anything that taps yeah. my creature is going to be a detrimental trigger. Yeah. It's, it, it's, it's, yeah. And it's, it's worse with the, with the ability. So, mm-hmm. so if you forget it, you're going to get warnings, right? You're going to get a warning every time you forget it. Now, what kind of trigger is it? How do I have to? Why, you know, do I have to acknowledge this trigger? What kind of? Where does it fall in that series of of categories we have for missed triggers? Well, my opponent can sacrifice a creature, and then I do something. So this is one of those we talked about earlier, like Frost Titan, where my opponent has a choice. So I have to tell them at the time they have the choice that this trigger is on the stack, and if I had didn't tell them. I've missed the trigger. And at the time that this card was being played, Mutavault was also in standard. Yep. Right. Which, which would mean my opponent could interact with it, even if there didn't appear to be any creatures in play, he might have a Mutavault in play that I've forgotten about. Yep. So act- activating a Mutavault in, you know, Desecration Demon, I want to go to combat. And and this this interacting with the combat shortcut at the time, I could just say... Combat, like if you've got uh, no creatures, I might be combat swing with the Desecration Demon because you don't have anything to sacrifice. Well, it's worse than that. It's worse than that because it's each combat. It's not even just combat on my turn. If I have the Desecration Demon, it's also combat on my opponent's turn. So on my turn, I could get a warning. On your turn, I could get a warning. Warnings everywhere. So even even if my opponent only has like one... One really, really dope creature uh-huh. that I know they're not going to want to sacrifice. Uh, do I still get a warning? I know what's going to happen. Technically, you still get a warning. Ugh. You got to point it out. Even <laughs> if they don't have 
any creatures, you've got to point it out. Because they might cast something with Flash and sacrifice it. You have to point it out. And it's it's such an awkward situation. And, and to, you know, timing-wise, you might think, why would they print this card if the policy is a certain way? Let's To be fair, the when this card was in development, the Mist Trigger's policy was still in flux. So it wasn't known where we were going to end up with Mist Trigger's policy when this card was created. So I see how we got to this point. But, oh, man, this ability sucks. It's it's yeah. really problematic. And so even though this is- the card's not as iconic as a lot of the other cards in the list, I I think I have to agree that this is probably the most awkward trigger on this list. This is this is a card that is sort of like Jess's Dark Confidant story. Um, this is a card that was around when I was first judging and first familiar with magic and oh my goodness gracious understand for step one is understanding it myself and step two is repeatedly having to explain to people and nobody liking the answer yep like even opponents didn't like that that was a thing check out how obnoxious this is because it taps it so on my combat i say something like desecration demon trigger and you say, yeah, I'll sacrifice, uh, uh, I'll sacrifice this creature. And now my desecration demon is tapped, and it gets the plus one plus one counter on it. I pass turn. And then you my pass op- the turn. I pass turn. My opponent gets to go, and they're just going to go attack with these things. And because the desecration demon is tapped, you're probably going to be like, oh, okay, I block this way, or I take it, or or whatever. You'll just go, okay, I'm going to block, or. Or, or move on. block with whatever creatures, but but because the desecration demon is tapped, you're gonna kind of think that it's turned off, and it's not. Right. Oh, it's still there. Yep. It's just it was just bad in in general, and its interaction with the with the combat shortcut at the time was, you know, if I just said combat, uh. I had I was the next thing that was happening was I was getting ready to declare attackers. I'd missed I'd missed the trigger. And it was a detrimental trigger. Yep. Buh. It's now so the combat scary. shortcut is is a little different. Or the combat shortcut, not combat trigger. Yeah, this is, this is still just an awkward card. I'm glad we don't see stuff like this. Yep. Well, there you have it. You say that Our, as we're gonna see a bunch more new cards. Uh, Next week, our next next episode, we'll talk about all these two cards, and I'm sure I will eat those words. But today, <laughs> today I'm saying I'm glad we don't see that anymore. So I think that's it for our list, our, our awesome list of uh, top eight problematic triggers in Magic. Uh, you know, that's that's way better than uh, you know the t- the, t- the top eight uh, weird ways players get slow play warnings, which is you know that's definitely on the list. That's um, fe- featured on our 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 listicle, right? Database, yeah, yeah, and also you know one weird rule Watsy doesn't know it want you to know about. Oh, oh. goodness gracious! <laughs> <laughs> and we we started this off saying, "Oh, people are going to to disagree with some of these." I already I already thought of a couple of cards that it's like, "Oh, this thing." Mm. Oh wow! All right, but we're gonna make that problem for future me. All right. And future the rest of us. Well, I want to thank everybody for listening to JudgeCast episode 209. Thank both of my hosts for joining me, as always. Uh, 
I would like to say that if you would like to listen to more episodes of JudgeCast or if you're interested in becoming a judge, please check out our website, JudgeCast.com, where you can find our full archive of episodes and you can find a Learn to Judge section. You can also get in touch with us at JudgeCast at gmail.com, on Twitter at JudgeCast, and on Facebook, Facebook.com slash JudgeCast to find our page. Please like, follow, subscribe, whatever you use to keep in touch with people on social media, please find us there. Uh, and if you like our show, give us five stars on Apple Podcasts. Uh, and all that being said, I'd just like to say that I'm Jess Dunks, and I keep it fair. I'm Bergen King, and I keep it fun. I'm Brian Prillman, and I keep a dice on top of my library so that I don't forget my tabernacle triggers. Or to introduce the other hosts. 